This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Hello, family and friends. I'm Renette Marburg, ready to meet with you on my program, Rise. On this program, we have honest and truthful conversations around family challenges relevant to you. Rise on Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Finding God's truth for a way forward together. Good afternoon, family and friends, and thank you for joining me this afternoon on my program called Rise, and we are a program. This is where we give you hope, guidance, wisdom, and knowledge, and when real life happens in in the family, we discuss often relevant and often unspoken issues in the family in truth and in love. But with God, we can rise to restoration and rise above all as a family. And today we have a very, very special guest on, our, in our, on the line. Um, her name is Griselda Grootboom, and she has got a very, very special story to tell us today of how she survived human trafficking. And it has, it, she's also the author of uh, her book called Exit, and she's going to share about her journey through life as from a young girl um, and to where she is right now. So we are looking forward to listening to her um, testimony and um, her journey. But we, first we're going to listen to God, my rock, Brenton Brown. Wow, in God we can trust. What a beautiful song to start the, my uh, program with. And I just want to welcome you. And I just pray that um, as we are going through very, very tough times at the moment, um, that God is just coming into uh you know, into your families and that he's just giving you protection, provision and hope in everything that is happening around us. We just need to stay focused on him. Today we have a very, very special guest that might just encourage you in knowing what uh, to to trust for and how to how the Lord can really navigate your life in very difficult uh, circumstances and uh, she is Griselda Grootboom uh, she's a survivor of human trafficking and she's had an f- incredibly hard life and very uh, but a great testimony of God's greatness when he's got a purpose and a plan for you he knows how to get you to the point where you can be with him I'm just one and she's written an incredible book called Exit. So we're going to have, we've got her on the line now with us. So I just want to welcome you, uh, 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 Griselda. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I know you personally going through a very tough time now. We just want to uh, give our heartfelt condolences to you and your family um, in this time. And we just, our hearts and our prayers are with you while you are um, mourning your mom's loss. But thank you for your time and giving your time to us today, Griselda. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for welcome. What a blessing to be among things in the time of mourning, because it's the most difficult time for the whole nation and the world um, in mourning. And, you know, thank you so much. What a pleasure. Thank you so much, Griselda. Okay, I'm going to just get uh, get into the starting blocks with um, your journey that you've had um, in as a as from a young girl, and you know the t- difficult time that you had. Um, 
And I had such a, I had the privilege of hearing your testimony. So that is why I felt I really would love to have you on my program because it was so encouraging of um, everything that you endured and everything that you um, survived and, and your, your, your mindset. And today that you are standing before many and just encouraging them to, to feel tapped into life and that God's got such a beautiful plan for each and one of us. So uh, you know, I just would like you just to share with us, um, you know, how did you, what was the start? Uh, what started changing as a child in your life? Um, what started changing was my environment um, moving um, sort of around due to um, government, uh, apartheid, um you know, I grew up with my grandmother and my grandfather and my father, and, and those siblings are all siblings that has been going through everyday moving around. And we, you know, grandmother and grandfather grew up in Woodstock, Roger Street, um, and with my dad. And when everyday, you know, started to sort of kick in, um, I was eight, and, and that's where communities that had the vulnerable um, people that, couldn't be the colored, the districts, uh, people being moved away so yes. businesses could start yes. developing. And that's when the beginning of change came in. And the first change was, you know, the passing of my grandfather, then my grandmother, then, you know, all these things. And then I became a street kid at such a young age. And that was the beginning of, you know, feeling that the loss and being an outcast in society. Wow, that is incredible. So when you were on the street, what was, what did your life look like at that time? What was happening? What was happening? What what made you have to go to the street? Where were your family? And um, I know that you were all dis, you know, dispersed in different directions. But what made you go to the streets? And how old were you? I was eight. And uh, that time... My grandmom and my grandfather already passed in the house with little my dad, and he was not much involved into the new structure of the community of new development. Um, he started drinking, falling depression because of the loss of his grandparents. Um, and by the time, you know, they, you know, demolished our house, it was like, that's it, you know, the whole community. And that's how we became street um, homeless people. We became homeless. My dad would just move me to one shelter to another, most of it the adult shelters. Um, and that's how I got to get to know the other street kids. And then we ended up growing up um, under the Hoff Bridge in Cape Town, which is such a touristic destination these days on so many um, maps in the Western Cape. Yes, um, sure. And then from there, we, you know, just as street kids, we had to live, stand on robots. Um, we smoked quite a lot of drugs. Um, most of it was glue and tennis. Um, you know, we were in the era of when Nelson Mandela was standing at the library clock in parade of the Western Cape Town. Jeez. We were those kids that was pickpocketing people, then people screamed freedom. Oh and so for us, it was like, yeah, right, there's Survival. no freedom because we grew up on the streets. And by this... I'm nine, I'm eight, I'm 11. Um, we were very accommodated by a shelter called Onspec Shelter that was right opposite the Cape Town Police Station um, next to the Cape Town District 6 Museum. Mm-hmm. And we were in that shelter as girls, but also as street kids because we would go back and forth in the streets because of the drugs, asking for money. And that was the lifestyle until the age of 18. And 
It was just so many things. In between that, I did come to my mom's house in Kailicha, tried to reach out to her, and she was married in a Costa lifestyle. And very in that is a very thing of you are not allowed to have a kid outside marriage. Um, so she welcomed me as her brother's kid. Mm. And that lifestyle, too, was this whole, I was unfairly treated in the family, the culture difference, the environment difference, it was tidy to sightsee, sand, and poverty was just in your face. Um, and my first experience of sexual exploitation was in Kaili Society when we were playing as girls um, waiting for our turns to get our buckets full of water and four guys came and held a knife against my waist and they gang raped me. And the shame and the stigma that I got from my family and community mm-hmm. sent me back to the streets and I just went back and basically that went on. Um, we lived a lot in the Western Cape. What we see tonight is a problematic gangsterism yes. issue in our communities because gangs from certain communities became leaders on the streets with kids. You know, they would teach us the 26 and the 28, yes, breaking yes. into cars. Um, and so we'd end up in jail. And that is still the system, right, that we would look at like, oh, no, the vulnerable, um, it's a girl, let's help, assist further. Um, those things did not happen. And then when I turned 18, and in 17, 18, I really pushed myself staying in the shelter, being part of the programs, being part of the schooling. It was very hard because the pressure of just, you are in this shelter so you can stay there, but, you know, your capability and capacity of having to learn and pain and trauma is coming together. And you so you didn't haven't call. had much schooling and in then, the process. Yeah. Hello? Sorry, you obviously didn't have much schooling in the process, education. No, we, we didn't. And, yeah, then turning 18, I was in sort of in a school and, that's when I met the friends. I met, you know, other people now besides street kids before. And I met one girl, which became a best friend of mine. And she came from a very well family, but she enjoyed the fact that we had drugs. We had button, we had weed, um, we had ecstasy. So during school, we would go to Cape Gardens and sit there in the trees and smoke, and they would smell it. And this is how um, I started to get to know her. So she just hanged out with us. And... With this is when she, you know, literally would stay with us also under the bridge and then help us to break into the friend's cars. Um, and that year was the year where the shelter said, it's 18, we can't come in anymore, um, you need to go. And this is when um, I decided to sort of go with the friend to Johannesburg. She left first, and then after I sort of just, stood at robots and got money and took the train and went to Johannesburg. Um, we planned to but she said she would help me, you know, she's from a rich family and she will have a flat on her own. And I was looking forward to that. And getting to Johannesburg um, is when she sort of um, made me a park station, a very busy place. I was so excited. Got there in park station, picked me up, and we went to a flat in Yeovil. Um, she showed me in into a room, which was empty, which I understood. Um, and then she left me there to go and get me food, and that was the last time I saw her. Oh um, you know, I just took a nap waiting for her, I guess. And then the guys came in, and they started, you know, beat me up, undressed me, and put... Um, injected me with drugs, 
behind my knees through my brain so that the lower body would become numb. Um, to me, I thought um, this is happening to the both of us or she's coming back um, as the dry kicked in and feeling the nakedness, the wind on my nakedness, it was just the beginning of that I was going to be killed or raped. I don't know. And that's when men came, buyers came in and started just doing whatever they wanted to do. Um, every client it was, was more drugs or just splash of water or being, you know, smacked and kicked to be woken up. Um, this went on for, it's about two weeks. Just mm. completely without any break. As in, I don't even know what would what the break be because of the numbness. So it, it just felt of numbness was there. It, it was just probably me just laying there. If there was a break, it would be oh, early morning, I guess. Um, but that wasn't in the feeling of noticing my environment at all. It was more of... You were encompass mentors at all. You were just in this days yeah. of drugs. Yeah. That is anyway. must have been absolutely a horrific experience. Um, tell me, um, uh, Griselda, and then what transpired after that? You know, you, you were only 18. Uh, I got kicked out of the house um, in the middle of the night. Uh, well, and they brought a younger girl in. And uh, from there, it was me just maybe waking up my brain and find a way to survive. And that was to go back to Park Station because there was a lot of truck drivers there, um, get drugs and just be on it to, to, to find my way. And due to that, I was, you know, welcomed by the drug dealers and pimps that were standing in that space of Park Station. And then we ended up in Berria. From that age, um, it was just basically moving from one district region, um, pimps, um, being locked up in others, um, being forced in basically to do porn. Um, yes, you most of it felt very trafficked. A... I, I, I just call it sexual exploitation traffic yes. because to everybody, when they see you in the morning standing at a shop, um, and you're, you know, there's no, there's just no sense. There's just you, and the judge just make you wonder of it's morning. Um, what do I do now? Or sometimes you just find yourself in another province being sold to another club. Wow. And your survival is just really trying to stay away, basically. And alive. You're just trying to stay away. And that and you 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 feel so much pain after every week of being raped or being beaten or being moved to another place. You like ask yourself why I'm trying to stay away from the darkness. This went on until the age of 26. Um, I became very um, dedicated to the highest pimp because it's more cocaine and more stylish buyers of sexual exploitation. And I ended up in Port Elizabeth by then. I was 26. And then Port Elizabeth had this hype of sports going on. And I worked in the brothel uh, for an 80. And that's when I got pregnant with my baby girl, Summer. Um, I worked there for a year. It was very um, 
corrupted. Sometimes the brothel will get raided because they look for drugs, they find drugs. They'd also find the paddle of moon that divers would steal. All of that used to happen just weekly basis. Jeez. Um, and in that, I got pregnant. And I only found out three months working every day from seven till the next morning. Um, and the madam just let me be pregnant until six months because clients were very comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And then in six months is where she did in-house abortion and she removed some And when she asked me to get back to work, three hours, I said, no, because I'm done. I literally mm-hmm. grabbed out of soul out of me. And there's no, there's no physical act that I can do. You just said me and my child fell out of me. So. And in resistance of that, of course, in the brothel, I got beaten up and driven back to Johannesburg. And that's how I started the beginning of Texas in this human trafficking situation. Oh my goodness. I would love to, on that note, I just want us to get onto the, to listen to Move, Keep Walking. I think it's very apt now to listen to that song by Toby Mac. Uh, the fact that you actually made a move in this time. So, um, we continue chatting about that and then we can go into the book that you wrote coming out of this, um, experience. Um, thank you, Griselda. Thank you for your incredible transparency and honesty and bravery and, and just sharing those intimate um, uh, uh, scenarios. We just want to thank you for that and, and bless you. And may, may this song just encourage uh, those out there that have gone through similar pains. Um, let us just listen to Move, Keep Walking by Toby Mac. We'll join you afterwards, Griselda. Thank you. Welcome back. And let's pray that you are sticking to the rules. Um, of COVID. I just want to mention to you that um, we have somebody very special on uh, my program called Rise on 7 to 9 a.m. I just want to welcome you, Griselda. Thank you. You are such a brave young lady that has just gone through so much, but you are such an inspiration and such an encouragement um, to walking out of a very, very difficult situation. You were just sharing before the break of um, where you came to a point where you just said, I am done. Um, what made, what was the turnaround on that? Um, so I just want you to know that uh, we really want to just find out what was the final point that you were going to exit from this uh, situation. Um, I think the final point really came to when that exit happened, waking up in hospital, um, you know, being reached out by one of, you know, one of the nuns and in, in biggest institutions and organizations, Salvation Army, um, assisting me to go through uh, what was needed, basically, this, you know, amazing person, Saint, wrote a report, got assistance for rehab of drug. Um, obviously, at the age of 26 and 27, you're a black woman with no identity for your criminal records because of all the raids and being yes. locked up. Getting assistance uh, from, the, from the system of, of South Africa for rehab, healthcare with such a record is very difficult. Um, so with her just pushing that, and I ended up staying at a shelter, which we call Home of Hope, and that shelter was a shelter for little babies that are being thrown away but still alive from women that are, 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 are being sexually exploited in, 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 in the business of prostitution. 
Um, and having to work there was the awakening, you know, that, that humanity awakening of I am not high and I'm holding a, you know, a baby and I'm feeding it and it's finding comfort. Um, but it was so hard, you know, the pimps have labeled me. They knew how to get a hold of me. Um, so I ended up back there, and that was the, the second phase of just really getting out of the environment of Johannesburg and end up coming through here. Like, they started really trying to go through the churches as a survival, not really believing in God, but churches had its role of me being part of their program, soup kitchens. Some of it was ministry. And through that is where I met a drug pimp in one of the churches, um, which was a pastor, and that's how the drug trafficking to Cape Town happened. And that's when I ran back to my mom's place and stayed here, gave her the money. And that's when I, I, I worked on my house. And working on my house, I had to to go to clinics um, and having to deal with having to put your house out there and get it tested. Um, and that's where I tested God in it because it was extremely difficult. My body collapsed from low body. Um, yes. Everything you could think about, boils and, and all mm. that. And when I took the first step of being part of my healing, not just letting, waiting for people to bring that healing, but being part of my healing, start oh, working Jesus. with organizations like A21, um, Cut, that was Anabaka. They had this mm. amazing project of shooting a movie of human trafficking. Yes, I saw that. In the Incredible. province of the King with all stakeholders. That was the first, I don't know, that I would call um, in the Bible of the prostitute women that was almost done to death because I was in this new, amazing Summons Town Gala dinner with these organizations, government people, and I was asked as, as a survivor of how did I feel about shooting a movie of being trafficked? And nobody knew. And that was the amazing courage and, and, and power uh, I felt. And, you and took from your that power journey, back. I met a lot of individuals. And that was the beginning of writing the book Exit through Embrace Dignity, the founder of Nazizia Rockbridge. You know, um, and, and just tell us what, what uh, you know, there were things that you shared in your testimony about, um, you know, the defaults of the system currently now as well, that you found huge loopholes and that you are now currently addressing and speaking yeah. into um, and yeah. participating into the change of these yeah. rules and regulations that have been happening and, and the laws, you know, the laws have not, you know, we've been pushing this uh, human trafficking underground, underground, and I was yeah. horrified at the statistics, you know, that um, yeah. only 50 to 100 thousand cases are found but that's a lot but yeah. there's millions I, I mean i think uh when i listened to um uh you know uh, Sh uh charlene's uh, statistics uh charlene low uh from zion a foundation right. that it's over 24 million people that are being enslaved in human trafficking human trafficking exactly. and it's different kinds this, it's pedophilia yeah, it's organ it's sex it is a labor in, in south africa the regional powerhouses with the gdv is you know at least about 159 billion four times greater than south oh african labor um you know and and we are on the watch list basically when it comes to the UNODC with our statistics um and, you know, when we look just in South Africa alone or with the neighbor recovery, it's extremely, it's about 24,000, you know, 
thousands of children working in exploitation labor, including prostitution, which make which makes children very exposed to vulnerability. Yes. And we 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 see it. You know, three thousand children for prostitution. Um, the vulnerable are women and girls in this, and and I'm wondering when we speak as a South African, um, I'm part of that discussion right now when it's the NPS, um, when we speak about women and girls and gender-based violence, how much do we include the prevention side for them against human trafficking? And when I look at the NSP, the National Strategic Plan, there was nothing much of that heaviness of awareness and campaign in our vulnerable communities. Um, And survivor-led, we only get invited to say this is what we're saying by lip services launch conferences, but yes. we are not put in the middle no of action. you know the implementation of these mm. organizations. Um, and we, we, we as survivors see that we know the core and, and the ground of the manipulation, and that's yes. why we call it as survivors. Organized crime, because there's so many layers of how women and girls are getting through the borders, going through communities, getting through households, ending up in porn sites, um, and missing. So mm. it, it is an organized crime. There, there's, there's just this thing that you feel as a survivor... I feel like not all of government's political departments are putting a hand in it. And, and it's, it's some elephant in the room that they keep on lip servicing on and acting like they are doing what they're supposed to do. But we're not, not seeing the prevention and awareness mm-hmm. and campaign mm-hmm. very strong and implementation of justice mm-hmm. around it. And there are obviously not enough homes. Uh, nobody is – because there is nowhere to go. Um, right. And there's not enough exactly. people involved. Safe houses. Um, mm. We get, we, you know, the amazing frontline organizations that we know that has been pushing on, um, you know, the assistance for safe houses, the assistance of how, and, you know, that's where we're waiting for, 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 the, for the minister herself. Um, she has men- mentioned so many times there are spaces and places with, with Tuduzela houses coming together and having to find land um, for, for these uh, safe houses. And that that, that lip service um, um, statement was just done, I think, last of year, last of last yes, year. And you're still yes. um, waiting for that in, in, in this province, which is the Western Cape and mm-hmm. further stuff. Um, so when we, we, we see a survivors of, do we see this working out of what they call it. It is the human trafficking, you know, cause and recommendation policy. We don't see that. I, I, I don't see it. As a survivor myself, having to do my campaigns in schools and having to do awareness on, on platforms is so important because yes. when I go out there, like my last campaign was in Kimberley, building the assistance of the mining company, the schools I went to, out of all of those schools, which was 12 schools, and I don't know, grade 7th, grade 12, we got at least about, you know, you could say 20 kids out of each school that needed assistance that almost ended up in it and also in it um, of human trafficking or sexual, sexual exploitation or prostitution. And it was so hard for us to find DUC, so hard to find the task teams of, of human trafficking, the intelligence, you know, all of that. And you just tell the kids, listen, this is what I can give you as a survivor. Prevention, be careful, do not be on social media, do not take drinks from strangers. Um, be careful of the individual in the community that doesn't have anything and suddenly there's a um, friend with a nice car in it. Um, you know, just pushing raids in broken buildings. 
And that's what needs to happen on a daily basis because mm-hmm. on a daily basis, children get trafficked. Yes. So I would like you to just expand on that straight after this. We're going to listen to um, It's Time for the Reign of God by Brian Dirksen and Brenda Jans. But I would like you to continue just that a little bit of advice and, uh, you know, how we can navigate ourselves in this time. And obviously with COVID um, delaying a lot of action and things happening, but uh, we still have to be very much aware um, and uh, but I would like us just to chat continue with that conversation straight after this result. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good afternoon, family and friends, and welcome. We've got such an encouraging message here today with Griselda. She is just an incredible powerful young lady that has survived and endured so much and I just want to say thank you again Griselda for your input Um, but I don't want to waste any further time I just want to ask you um, you know there's uh, obviously uh, you know not enough safe houses and you know and we also don't really know much what to do and how to expect uh you know what we need to look out for as as parents and as as people you know as the public so if you can just give us a little bit of a background on what we need to be aware of you were sharing beforehand if you can just give us a little bit of a background on that as well as um you know the way forward how can us as 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 the public and uh, how do we how do we engage with you as well um and and your all these kind of organizations just to really come and partner with you in you know in activity or how can we uh you know uh, be part of this change. Thank you so much. I'm sorry I didn't hear the first part of your question, but the second part of the question I did hear are, um, you know, community churches. Um, you know, for me as a survivor, I think I felt the most comfort um, and healing develop, skill development through a lot of religious churches and and not really just one church, but just individuals from churches coming together and developing um, this safe space for survivors. Um, and this, you know, this year I am trying to really, really work hard and looking for partners on this survivor-led um, uh, uh, conference I'm trying to have. And we're hoping to call it, you know, a week, uh, international week with modern-day slavery, led by me, of course, and hosted by me. Yes. Um, and we're working on it, and we are we are looking for quite a lot of assistance and funders um, to, to to make us make this work. Um, we're praying and having faith it will work. But advice I would say to to individuals and communities that would like to be involved: firstly, be involved in in an NGO in your community. Find out what this NGO is doing, um, if it's related to 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 human trafficking awareness. Um, get the human trafficking um, toll free line on your fridge from from A21 website, um, you know, look up the, the bills, the petitions that we as survivors organizations are putting out there also. Um, I, would, I would really suggest parents really more of being involved, educating their daughters around these things. You know, I think we met at a beautiful um, event oh, that was, was, you know, hosted by Zion Foundation. Yes. And it was amazing to meet young people there with their parents yes. and for them to meet a testament. And, you know, young people look up 
to, to, to women ourselves and see us in spaces of the United Nations or on TV. And that is an important awareness for the ear of young people. Mm-hmm. So I would say parents and women and young girls, go to these, these events if you see them on your friend's timeline. Um, parents, please be involved in your, in your child's social life in their phones. Um, you know, if you see your kid is just constantly on the front, you know, the whole week, work it out, you know, be involved, be the parent, be that, you know, parent that goes, I would like to have your phone because there's something I need to check. Um, young people, please, in the minute you discuss with somebody every time on your phone and that person is never offline, we have a problem. I mean, in everyday life of humanity in South Africa during COVID right now is trying to live and survive and take care of each other Mm. um, more than being on social media. So stuff like that. Um, Also, just us really coming together and collaborating and finding ways to make more uh, um, creative ways, ideas. With me, you can find me on Facebook. I I have so many conversations with young people. I try to stay online. You can email me if you want to have me at your conferences, at your um, lunches, at your fundraisers, at your churches, um, at your schools. I am all for for being out there. And I mean, God has blessed me with this life. And I think that's one covenant I have I was God when he healed me and I said, Lord, use me wherever you need me. Oh, and and that's my contract and commitment to, to, to what I need to do with awareness. So reach out. I would really appreciate the assistance. During this COVID-19, it has been extremely difficult for us organizations and Survivor Exit Foundation to be able to go out there and do the research or be on the streets and find out um, any young woman or under 18 that has been led into prostitution through human trafficking um, because of COVID. And with that, you know, we we constantly try and pray about the wisdom of how to do it. So I think it would be appreciated if you reach out. Um, we are hoping to have this amazing conference in August. Um, yes. You know, if you'd like yes. to be involved, keep if you'd like to, assist, if you'd like to, 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 to be part of a department, especially government department, please do contact me on info at survivorexit.org. Um, if you're feeling it's too much, Griselda Groetboom on Facebook or Twitter at Survivor Exit. Um, yeah, we do have the books. You can place your order for books of exit also. We, we, we do print and with further discussions, please, we would love your support and Fantastic. your assistance and prayer and your strength and wisdom to fight this week. Just give us your <laughs> cell phone number as well. They can WhatsApp you on as well, please. Um, yes, you can also WhatsApp me on 0834368902. 0834368902. Six eight nine zero two. Um, for workshops, we also um, working uh, with that too at Survivor Aid Foundation. Fantastic! And if you want to WhatsApp and uh, us as well, if there's any information or um, questions that you'd like to ask about the program, it's oh eight one seven two nine one six. Five, seven, and I want to encourage you to interact with us, ask questions, and we can always direct you to uh, Griselda. Griselda, I just want to thank you, thank you, thank you. I was so looking forward to this interview. May the Lord just continuously bless you and use you to his mm. honor and glory um, in everything mm. that you do, that you become an incredible agent of change for the system, for the for the nation, 
for the youth and that human trafficking will get buckled by its roots and not continue in our country. But I just want to thank you and bless you. um, In this week, I know you're going through something very painful. May the Lord just be with you and your family at this time. And uh, and our prayers and our hearts are with you. You need to know that. And uh, just thank you again for joining us today. Thank you so much to the radio stations and more blessings and more years for giving me as a survivor this opportunity and platform just to bring more testimonies because the word of God just says the more you testify um, for for who he is in in his grace and mercy, um, he he gets glorified. So thank you so much to the radio station and to all your colleagues and you know, may the Lord cover you during this time as you serve the communities during COVID. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.